Now that I am approaching 40, I have been using adaptogens to manage stress, lack of sleep, and cycle changes, especially during cold and flu season when the kids are up all throughout the night. I love supplementing with ashwagandha mid-morning to help my body manage stress or lack of sleep or even when we're traveling. I also love Vitex or Chasteberry. There is so much research on how it helps relieve PMS symptoms like headaches and mood changes and even cycle irregularities. And the only place I get adaptogen blends is from Organifi. They have clinical doses of adaptogen blends, and they make them in really good-tasting drinks. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. Organifi's Green Juice Blend has ashwagandha, and Harmony is perfect for you to take around your cycle if you're struggling with PMS or want to balance hormones. And new this month, Organifi just launched Kids Easy Greens. This is awesome for picky eaters or when you just want to supplement your kid's diet with superfood greens, micronutrients, and antioxidant-rich digestive and immune support. It's a nutrient-rich blend of veggies and superfoods with added probiotics and digestive enzymes. It tastes amazing, and you can just tell your kid it's juice. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best-tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. There are clinical doses of adaptogens, so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash well-fed and use code well-fed for 20% off. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash well-fed. Use code WELLFED for 20% off your entire order. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome. This is episode number 464. I am Noelle, your host, and I'm here with Stefani. Very excited that she's here. She is in a beautiful new home. I want to hear all about it in new colors. <laughs> I said, where's all the teal? You said I switched. So we're going to maybe chat about that a little bit. Today, we're also going to talk about uh, go-tos for colds, especially for littles, getting in all the protein and the fruits and the veggies because it's a lot independent sleep for kids, and how long to work out to make significant muscle gains. This is a little bit of an ask us anything because um, I said, hey, what questions do you have? And I got a lot of random topics, so we'll try to hit all four of them today. But first, hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Hey, yes, I absolutely want to talk about my new house and my color scheme. So it's really funny because when I, my new apartment, was furnished is furnished and it was like in teal and that was one of the many things that I considered a sign that I just the place is perfect for me I'm so happy I never knew that being in a place could feel so good I never mm-hmm. knew I I moved 29 times in my life and I've never felt like I feel in this in Durham North Carolina but in this apartment specifically for the first time in my life I don't wake up in the morning and feel like I have to run out the door I have been staying home and I love it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm going to see, I'm like hibernating. That's my season right now. <laughs> in the best way, you know, like. Yeah. Seeds. So um, I moved in here and it was all teal and all my clothes are teal and they're nice. 
like they still, I like them. I, my, all my clothes are still teal and it still looks good on me, but you know, I wear an orange ring because orange is my favorite color. And I emotionally identify more with the warm colors than the cool colors. Hmm. I always have, like I, I wear teal. I've always worn teal because it, again, because it complements my face is pink and my hair is orange. So like I am warm colors. So anyway, I've decided that like, I want to, I can wear a lot of teal, but I want to look at a lot of pink and warm purple and orange and warm yellow. So uh, the colors in my room are uh, like a, all a soft, warm tones. So like terracotta, like a soft shaded mustard. Uh, uh, this I would call this my shirt. I would call this a, a shaded watermelon pink. Um <laughs> Yeah. So I love it. And there's teal. There is, but it's all because teal matches these colors. So there's harmony there, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love it. I'm in my lane. I'm decorating everything. And I'm in this process of, um, so it was furnished, but there's not like stuff. Right. So I was, I feel like I could rush out and buy a bunch of stuff all at once and just be like, I'm getting all the stuff and maybe not be really intentional about it. And so instead what I'm trying to do is like slowly get one thing at a time and not rush. If it's not essential, I'm taking my time. And then and then I'll get things that are cotton instead of polyester. I mean, I, I, I've, uh, I'm moving away from synthetics and like take my time and get something that just like, that I love and, mm-hmm. uh, and that is fun. And I don't have to, you know, I don't want to make an idol of having nice stuff. That's not the, but the point is to, just enjoy the curating of a space in a way that isn't for the sake of having stuff. Yeah. But like, I need a soap dispenser. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to find one that's like a nice warm brown. (laughs) Like I can't wait. So yeah. And then like, and then I always have something to look forward to that I'm like sort of tweaking in my space, but hopefully not in like a, just a consumeristic way. So anyway, that's me. Like, in my space. <laughs> Great. I love it. I'm here for it. I am. So our first question is about, this is my update, by the way. I have no updates other than I'm tired. Our first question is about your first stuff. Like, what do you do? Cold remedies for littles, like the first sign of cold. Let me tell you guys, the whatever is going around now is not cute. And I do believe that things are going on like viruses and these whatever is these colds, these flus, they are different. These are a a stronger variety and they are causing longer fevers. So last eight, eight or nine days ago. We we did this awesome little thing in Stanton, Virginia, which I love Stanton. It's so cute. It's actually, for those of you who know Polyface Farm and Joel Salatin, it's actually right outside of where his farm is. And so all the restaurants there serve his like his food, his meat. It's like this beautiful, historic, holistic town that is vibrant. They had a beautiful, amazing toy store and holistic dog store and all the things. I just love it. It's cute. It's holistic. So many gluten-free restaurants, all the things. We went there to do a little train ride with Santa. It was really cute on the Virginia Scenic Railway through the Shenandoah Valley. 
we wake up. It had been a it's been a it's been a little bit of a crazy few months for us. And it's taken its toll on all of us as a family. And so we were like, okay, cool. Let's just get there. We'll do the train ride. We'll have like a super lazy Sunday at the hotel. We'll get up slowly. Well, Maverick was up the entire night coughing. And when Ken was like, you need to come see him because we were in separate rooms. I slept with Stella. He slept with Maverick. And he was like shaking and burning up and just so miserable. I've never seen him that miserable. Now, he has been sick probably every two to three weeks for like most of his life. But this was like a new level. So I he just, he just couldn't stop crying. So I like held him. He was just miserable, burning up. We get home. He has like 103 fever, which is a normal-ish high fever. Now, you all know, based on my interviews with Eliza Song, who I absolutely love. She's a pediatrician. We talked all about fevers and how fevers are the body's response to a virus or a bacteria. It's your body's way of helping your child or you, whoever has the fever, actually get over and fight off those invaders and get it out of the body. Well, this fever went on for days and days and days. We got to day four of a very high fever, still wasn't going down at all. And I was like, we need to go get this checked out. So we went to urgent care. They looked at him. They were like, oh, his lungs are clear. So like the big things that you need to look out for, this is just a tip for moms. When your kid gets a fever, the things that you need to look out for are low oxygen. So in other words, could it be pneumonia? But what are the big red flags? Meningitis and pneumonia, okay? Appendicitis, some sort of infection. If it's not that, it's typically just a virus that your body has to get over. Even ear infections, your, your body can, as Eliza Song said, the majority of them resolve on their own. They don't need antibiotics. Okay. Strep is, of course, the one thing that you're going to need antibiotics for. So that's the important thing. So I said, he had strep. He's already been on two rounds of antibiotics. I was like, what is going on? We went, we got him tested for everything. He tested, you know, it's not strep. It's not COVID. It's not the flu. His lungs sound clear, no rashes. But now we're on day five and there's no end in sight. She's like, we'll keep giving him fever reducers, blah, blah, blah. I don't usually give fever reducers, but I started giving him fever reducers because he was so miserable, would not eat. It was it was just hard to get him to do anything. I mean, just 100% miserable. And I treat the symptoms, not the fever. So we go on for a few more days like that. Now we're at like day seven. I was like, okay, this has been a fever for a week. I have a pulse ox thing on him. I know he has full oxygen. His lungs are still clear. He doesn't have a rash. It's not meningitis. He's still drinking and eating like little bits when we give him fever reducers. I decided to do... Let this be a tale. I had decided, I just decided I'm going to do the opposite. I talked to some friends. I talked to a few people and they were like, just stop doing the fever reducers and see what happens. So I stopped the fever reducers and it took about two to three days to resolve. But he immediately, his, his what would happen is we'd give him the fever reducer. And this might just be something that happens in general with kids, but I'd give it to him. He'd be good. He'd start eating and drinking. Right when it would come back, it would jump up to like 104. So it was like 1045, 103, something like that. So I was like, I'm just going to stop the fever reducers and see where it normalizes. So we did that and it normalized somewhere around like 101, 102. Well, I, as a last ditch effort, I tried something called the wet sock treatment because at this point he was coughing, but again, no, no signs, no warning signs. Everybody just kept saying, watch it. We had somebody, you know, look at his appendix, all the things. We don't know what it is. It's probably just viral. Just keep watching it. And I was like, okay, so this is, but I've never had a kid have a fever for seven days straight. We tried something called the wet sock treatment. 
Now, this is not rooted in science, so don't come at me. But antidote, like it, it makes sense. There's a lot of people who say it works. There's a, a few, you know, reasons behind why it might. The wet sock treatment is essentially you take a pair of cotton socks, you soak them in cold ice, basically ice water. You soak your kids' feet in Epsom salt. We did quite a few Epsom salt baths, but you soak your kids' feet in Epsom salt water, warm water, towel dry them off, put the wet, cold socks on, and then put wool socks on over top. And the idea is, which is again, not rooted in science, is that the constriction helps to you know, push nutrients up to the body. Also, it can help draw out the fever, blah, blah, blah. I said, I have nothing to lose. Well, he woke up the next day, no fever. <laughs> so day eight, no fever. So we're very excited about that. So then he was able to happily eat and drink. And that was like a huge win for me because I was like, when are we going to the ER? Because that, that, you know, we're going to need to get chest x-rays and all this kind of stuff because essentially if all symptoms are fine, but we're missing something, it's likely pneumonia or something like that, you know, silent walking pneumonia. But it pulled it out. So then day eight, his fever kind of went back down or sorry, it was down. It came up just a little bit. I did it again last night and he's perfectly fine today. So I am going to write a post on the wet sock treatment. It may or may not have been the reason why, but I do think that it helped somewhat. It helped him. It was the only two nights he slept through the night entirely, did not wake up once, whereas the entire week he woke up at least five times. So it was like he slept through the night, he had no medication, and he woke up and was like, oh, I feel great. So it might have just been helped him sleep longer. I don't know. Either way, what is coming around? If you are like, what is going on? Why is my kid sick a lot? Why is it these these sicknesses seem to last a long time? Something weird is out there. Okay. <laughs> With first responders, I was doing everything that I typically do. And this question, I want to be dairy. Okay. Mama B3. She said, what are your go-tos when your littles start showing signs of a cold? I love herb blends. So you can do something like a Western herb. So echinacea or, you know, a blend that'll have a few things in there that are supportive of the immune system. I like to use Chinese herbs. So the number one thing that I do is called the windbreaker by Gentle Warriors. It's a con. It's so funny because when I type in windbreaker, all I get are these like 90s jackets. <laughs> so I'm always like, wait a second, what just happens? I have to remember. Gentle Warriors, it's a con. Yeah, K-A-N. Windbreaker Gentle Warriors, that's the herb blend that I'm giving immediately. What I found was really interesting that Dr. Eliza Song told me was Umka Cold Care. So we give, I give, I bought like five or six boxes from them direct. I, again, I recommend buying everything direct from websites. So I did Umka Cold Care, their little homeopathic chews. And I give that at this first, first signs of cold or flu. I'm a big proponent now of doing garlic ear oil drops when your kids are sick, because with most colds and viruses, from my personal experience, it seems like your kids are going to have some sort of inflammation or tenderness in the ear, if you want to call that an ear infection or whatever. And that's just because the ear canal and the throat, they're all connected. And so if you have a cold, it's typically going to impact your kid's ears. So immediately start just putting a little one drop of garlic ear oil in your kid's ears to keep them healthy. You want to do a saline nose spray. There is an a xylitol one. I don't actually know the name. Okay, kids... Zlear, X-L-E-A-R. Again, I'll link to it in the show notes. They do have a kid's version. It's just a saline nose spray because you want to keep nasal passages open so that the drainage doesn't go into the chest, into the lungs, into the stomach and cause a stomach ache and 
all those things and it helps it helps reduce um, ear infections as well. So keep up with that. Those are my like absolutes. Now, what I have been doing, and I did share this on Instagram recently, those they have these kids nose strips and they're just basically band-aids, but you can put them on your kid's nose. It opens up your kid's nose. That has been a lifesaver for my kids. I've been doing that all, every night, especially when they're congested, congested and sick because the post-nasal drip, the coughing, all that stuff just keeps them up in the middle of the night and it stinks. The last major thing that I do, you know, I don't do a ton of vitamin C for them. I haven't found that to be that effective. I I would much prefer herbs and homeopathic blends. And then I will typically do, sometimes I'll do echinacea. Sometimes I will do vitamin D because of the literature on vitamin D and it's winter and all that kind of stuff. So I have been giving them vitamin D. I have been, I'll give them zinc at the first sign of sickness. That's by Mary Ruth. She has just a pure ionic zinc only while they're sick, not, not anytime otherwise. Probiotic, of course, that's just something I do daily. And then that was a lot. I'll link to everything in the show notes, but I do feel like some of these herbal blends and the homeopathics, like at the first sign, if you can jump on it very quickly, that'll make a huge difference. There is also a cough chest syrup called Chestiol by uh, Boron. And I'm actually trying to get somebody on to talk about homeopathics. Chestol by Boron. It's C-H-E-S-T-A-L. That's usually what I use at night if they wake up with a really heavy chest cough. I will do that. And that seems to work really freaking well. It's got honey. I think it's just like a honey, sweetened honey kind of syrup, but people love that stuff too. So I have found that to be really, really helpful too. And that's like my middle of the night thing that we do. It's it's hard. You ha- kind of have to experiment, get get yourself a, like you can do elderberry. Sometimes, you know, I, I do elderberry, but get yourself a big arsenal, you know, grab a few things and see what works for you. And that's kind of what experience does, right? It's every time we get something, we start throwing something at it. I can tell now with my oldest, with my daughter, when she's about to get something, I can throw a few things at her and I can tell that what I'm doing is actually like dialing it back. It's not progressing or getting worse. It's getting better. So what my goal is, is simply, and what I think as parents, our goal is, is just to support the immune system. So if you do your research and you figure out what things support the immune system, we know zinc does, we know vitamin D does. And, you know, we know a lot of these herbals do, like they have immune supportive effects. Then we kind of bring those in and we experiment and we see what works for our own kid. Yeah. See what works for you and experiment and learn as you go. (laughs) Anything else from you, Stephanie? Are you still alive? I'm good. I'm stretching. It's been a week, guys. It has been a week. I was really struggling. Thank you to all my friends who allowed me to be, who were therapists for me. Because I was like, we are on day seven. What is going on? Everybody keeps saying, you know, oh, just keep watching it. It's hard. It's hard when you're in the moment, for sure. Bond Charge is one of my favorite holistic wellness brands with a wide range of evidence-based products. And I just invested in a couple new ones from blue light blocking glasses to EMF management to their new infrared sauna blankets and PEMF mats. Bond Charge has all the high quality and effective products you are looking for. I just ordered the Bond Charge red light face mask to get all the anti-aging benefits of red light for my skin. It is so easy to set up and use. Red light actually stimulates the mitochondria in your facial skin cells, which then direct your cells to produce more collagen. This can help brighten and firm your skin and reduce wrinkles and fine lines. 
I also just got their new PEMF mat, which I'm obsessed with. PEMF stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Field. Basically, it's a mat that gives off low-frequency waves that penetrate through your skin, down to your muscles and tissues. It can actually regenerate nerves by stimulating nerve cells to grow. It helps improve immune function. It improves blood circulation and inflammation. And my favorite part, it relieves muscle aches, provides pain relief, and actually activates bone cartilage cell stimulation. I now love to lay on it and sit on it daily. I lay it on my bed and lay on it while I'm watching TV at night. Bond Charge's PEMF mat has different settings for sleep and focus or relaxation. And my favorite part is that they also have red and near-infrared light, so you can get the benefits of red light therapy while laying on the mat. And it has settings with far-infrared light, just like the sauna blankets, which heats your body up from the inside to improve detoxification and release tension. In other words, this mat does it all. I also use my Bond Charge blue light blocking glasses at night, my computer glasses to reduce blue light when I'm looking at screens. And of course, I still use my sauna blanket and I love it. Bond Charge has 20% off all of these things. Go to bondcharge.com forward slash wellfed. Use coupon code wellfed for 20% off. That's bondcharge, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com forward slash wellfed. And use coupon code wellfed to save 20% off sauna blankets, PEMF mats, red light therapy face masks, and so much more. Question number two is from Mississippi Missy struggling to get in all the protein, veggies, and fruit in a day. Tips. It's a lot of food. Well, here's a question. What else are you eating? That's one way to look at it, right? We have a certain amount of calories we need in a day. And you can definitely fit all the protein, veggies, and fruit that you might need into that as well as plenty of uh, healthy fats. <laughs> a really big fan of grass-fed butter these days. I was eating it with a fork before I got on the podcast. Of course you were. <laughs> it's so good. I like was taking pictures and texting my mom. I was like, this butter is so good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really curious about this question. What is the source of the struggle? Is it time? Is it finances? Is it preference, preferring to eat something else? I'm really curious what what you're eating if it's not these things. I guess I'll just say is is it did I say is it time? Is it time? Is it is it food prep? Because if it's food prep, you know you can batch cook ahead of time on Sundays. You can get a meal delivery service if that's in budget, right? You can uh, get a CSA, get like produce delivered, so you don't have to go buy it. Those kinds of things can help save you time. If it's money, you can buy a lot of this stuff frozen or again you could join a csa you could look for a local farm delivery options you know uh, how much how much protein might a woman need in a day like ballpark on average maybe 100 grams is that fair just to like ballpark a i would say minimum yeah yeah and that's um it's really not much people will often say like it's a palm size three palm size servings a day something that size, a can of tuna sized three times a day and throw some vegetables on your plate. And you don't, I wouldn't say you have to have fruit if you don't want to. I think veggies are more nutrient dense. Noelle, what are your thoughts? 
Um, like I just, I'm just curious. Like this, this is a, you know, there's a lot of detail that I would want to ask question. before I talk, you know, yeah. more about what, what's ne- what, what I would recommend. Yeah. It's a good question. What is the struggle? I think probably for most people, it is this idea that we keep hearing from the nutrition experts and the people on the Instagrams and talks that, you need to be eating X number of fruits a day. You need to be eating X number of veggies a day. You've got to be eating 120 grams of protein. And so we think about it in terms of, I need to add all this stuff in as opposed to let me see what I can shift out and bring in and make like a quick shift. I don't eat six whatever servings of fruits and veggies a day. I'm, maybe I might because I have a salad every night, but I'm not eating. I, I rarely eat fruit. I'm just not a fruit person. I don't like bananas. Raspberries are expensive and they're moldy. And I maybe will have a kiwi. That's usually what I have in the morning. I have eggs some turkey rolls and I have some kiwi. I love kiwi. I like the sour kind of fruits. Oh, my gosh. Pineapple. Ugh, like I cannot take the sweet, sweet fruits. It's just not my thing. I have big salads. I have sweet potatoes at night sometimes. I have sometimes we'll saute broccoli, but it's just like if I'm having a meat at dinner, I'm going to add a cooked vegetable. I'm going to have a salad, but otherwise I'm mostly focused on protein and eating, you know, fresh nourishing foods. It's not like I'm like, oh, I've got to add in a a fruit here and I've got to add in a fruit here and I got to add a veggie here. No, especially not. I mean, for lunch, I don't think I'm eating any vegetables really for lunch. It's again, usually some rice, some meat, some potato chips, potato chips, maybe a little bit of dark chocolate. For snack, I will have some Greek yogurt. So with the protein, I think what has helped me, because I've actually had to really make some adjustments over the last year, is changing out my snacks. So for breakfast, start just start whatever meal that you are having with your protein as opposed to because in our society, we've gotten into this habit of starting our meals with convenience. And I get it because life is crazy. But if we can't actually build a quality meal, we got to cut something else out. You got to stop. You know, you've got to got to create more time and more space in your life if if that's the problem. So. Number one, make sure you have some time to like meal prep and to build some good meals for yourself. Cook some eggs in the morning. So start with your protein at breakfast. Add a little bit more protein if you need to. So you have your eggs and okay, that's only 18 grams of protein. Do I need a little bit more? Probably. Maybe I should add some yogurt. Maybe I can add some like turkey avocado rolls. And then if if I'm still hungry, like fill in with whatever else is around like a kiwi or some raspberries or whatever else. You can have, you know, maybe like a little oatmeal or something. And for lunch, kind of do the same thing. You know, in our society, again, lunch is pretty, it's pretty convenience focused. And what we really, and I think what's convenient for most people is to meal prep for for lunch. So have leftovers that you've made for dinner. Make sure you're making big, bulky dinners. You're making three or four servings of dinners, doubling or tripling your recipes so that you have multiple servings to eat throughout the day. If you need to make protein balls, you know, do that with protein powder. If you need to make, I'm working on a protein hot chocolate recipe made with like a grass-fed beef isolate protein powder. That's fine too. You can make a smoothie in the morning and put a scoop of protein powder. Scoop of protein powder is like 25 grams. Maybe that's what you do for lunch or snack or something like that. So focus first on the protein, then just bring in little things here or there. Try to have a nightly or a, a daily salad, salad that you have at lunch or dinner. And when you're eating protein at dinner, cook a vegetable side, whether it's 
sauteing some broccoli or roasting it or roasting some kale or just what, you know, sweet potatoes, whatever. And that's how you build your meals as opposed to I'm already doing all this stuff. Now, how do I keep adding it in? It's so much food. It's not so much food. If it's you start first by building the protein, adding in a few things and then, okay, where do I need convenience? Okay, maybe it's the bar. Maybe today I'm running around and I have to grab a snack or something like that. And that's totally fine, too. I'm not saying there isn't a place for that. However, we do have to shift how we see our meals as a society because everything now is the cereals and the bars and even the nuts and the chips and the dried fruit and the raisins, like all that kind of stuff is the convenience foods that we grab and go. And it's just become very normal in our society, a sandwich. And, you know, I will also say, and just to, to reiterate, you don't have to get all the fruits and all the veggies in. Just eat a good salad and eat a fruit piece of fruit or two when it's available or as a snack. Like, I feel like every party we go to now is like, there's a fruit and a veggie tray. And I, that's what I love snacking on. And even now, like, I'm like, oh, I'll have some carrots as a snack. And I might dip it in a, a little bit of whatever dressing or peanut butter. But I've had to be very intentional now with what are my snacks? And I have been eating a, um, a grass-fed Greek yogurt as my afternoon snack. And that's been really, really helpful in getting my protein requirements up. I get Applegate uh, lunch meats now, and I will eat those as a snack with breakfast or midday for breakfast. And I did get a protein powder. So <laughs> those are my hacks is like, just give yourself some more variety. Oh, cheese. So I have been doing some grass-fed cheese. I sometimes will add that to my lunch or add that just as like a quick bite for a snack. And then my I got a chocolate grass-fed beef isolate protein powder that I'm working on for recipes with the protein hot chocolate. And also just it's very easy to make like a quick protein shake to drink post-workout. So create new foundations and build from there as opposed to trying to fit all these recommendations that people are saying into what you're already doing. Yeah, yeah, I think... You know, I think a lot of it is some things can can seem really overwhelming. Like, well, how do I cook this? And how do I make sure that for me, like it's it's about finding something that's satisfying and fits into my life. And I happen to, I can't, I'm not doing this right now because of my whole B vitamin thing, but like my favorite thing is just to batch boil a bunch of eggs and then yes. I can just, and then I can just eat them. <laughs> and it's like, it's instant and it's lovely and it's, it's convenient and and that's great. And I think I think a lot of this is about like finding, just finding routines that work for you and that are satisfying. And then you go to the supermarket and you have a list in mind and you buy stuff that is nourishing and that's it. And I think also it's real easy to get a little bit like FOMO about what about this nutrient, this food. And I read this thing about blueberries and this thing about, by the way, I buy the giant bags of blueberries, the frozen ones. They're like reasonably cost-effective if we're talking about fruit. I love the antioxidants. They're my favorite. I love blueberries. <laughs> You know, there's, you can be so worried about like, well, I'm not getting this and I'm not getting that, like no well said, but like, generally speaking, like a lot of things actually have nutrients in them. And my deep dive into the B vitamin world recently has shown me that I have, I get a ton of nutrients that I just wasn't aware of. <laughs> and it's really important to, to know what's nutrient dense. We know that eggs are nutrient dense in organ meats and grass fed animal products, just switching to grass-fed animal products can like radically skyrocket some of your nutrient intake. I have to agree. Question number three. And I like, I'm thinking about it too, 
I eat way more fruit in the summer. And that's kind of like our natural rhythms. You know, it's like it's warmer. You need more hydration. Fruits in season. Like I'm going to eat more fruit when it's during the summer and you're naturally not going to eat as much during the winter. It's that's okay. Like just make sure you're, you you know, focus on the nutrient density, like you said, and kind of go with your flow. Yeah. And then if that's what's in your fridge, in your pantry, that's what you're going to eat. Yeah. And if you go out to restaurants, like, you know, um, I don't get something nutrient dense, get something with veg, you know, with veggies or, or like, don't forget that protein has a bunch of nutrients in it, especially if you're eating grass fed, you know, variants, you're getting tons of nutrients from your, from your proteins. And, you know, if you're eating butter and other healthy fats and coconut oil and olive oil and, you know, the extra virgin breast and stuff, high polyphenol, all that stuff has nutrients in it too. So just keep choosing like the nutrient dense versions of proteins, fats, and carbs. Mm-hmm. And there you go. And it's okay to eat three eggs for breakfast. Yeah. Or I was two. having four hard boiled eggs. That was what I had for breakfast. Yeah. Um, with you. That was it. I was so happy. I was in my lane. <laughs> now I have egg whites cooked in grass fed butter because I have to, I can't have egg yolks right now because of a personal thing about B vitamins. You can listen to my last episode to hear more about that. <laughs> Okay, question number three is from Tatiana. She says, Noel, what did you do for sleep training your kids and what helped independent sleep? I'm very happy that I am out of this phase. However, I will warn you, they still get up all the time in the middle of the night. So we really struggled with Stella and I did an interview and I will link to it. I will just summarize it quickly. It was episode number 245, Toddler Behaviors and Emotions with Eliza Parker. So I was really struggling. I'd gotten to the point where... Stella would only sleep on us. I couldn't actually get her to nap off of us. She had colic as a kid. She screamed 90% of the time in her car seat. She just was never, she never sat and was content. I still look at people today and I'm like, how does it feel to be God's favorite when I see people with their kids asleep in restaurants? It just, she just, that just was rough. It was very rough, colicky, all the things. So We did a lot of bouncing on balls and trying to just soothe her. And when we could get her to sleep, we just wanted to keep her asleep. She slept a lot on us. And we went through a really hard period where it was even just hard to get her to sleep in a crib or like in a, you know, bassinet. And she would have to fall asleep on us. And here's what I'll say. When you start doing something once and you're and it works for your kid, your kid's going to want to keep doing that so as a tip as a parent, don't do something that you don't want to keep doing repeatedly, or if you don't have the strength to break them of that habit. So I had gotten to a point where I knew I needed to break her of the habit of falling asleep on me because every time I would try to transfer her to her bassinet, she would wake up and scream and we would get stuck in the loop. So one night with Liza Parker's recommendation, she said, just lay with her, put her, put her in her little bassinet beside your bed and just lay there with her with your hand on her and let her cry through it and let her cry it out. And we did. But then the next night I put her in her little bassinet to put herself to sleep. She maybe whimpered for like five minutes. But after that, she put herself to sleep in her crib. We would occasionally she would wake up. We'd always go in there. I never just like shut the door and ignored her. But there were times where at like, you know, we'd put her down and I knew she didn't need to eat and I knew she was fine. And maybe it was like she was like seven or eight months. And she would kind of wake up around like, let's say 9.30 or 10. We hadn't even gone to bed yet. I would always give it five minutes. That was my rule. And so she just kind of learned to 
happily exist in her crib. She was fine with it. And then the struggle was really nap. She still could, I could not get her to nap in her crib. And so we ended up taking the crib mattress out of the crib, putting it on the floor. And I just let her, I laid there beside her. And this was the most annoying hour and a half of my life. <laughs> not really, but it was pretty annoying. She finally actually fell asleep after an hour and a half. And then I left the room and then she kind of woke up you know, maybe an hour later or whatever. So it, it again, it was teaching her to lay down by herself and to go to sleep somewhere not being held. And so then we just kind of worked our way through that. And eventually she was totally fine. She was happy to just go in her, her crib and to lay herself down. And with Maverick, we kind of, I just, it's interesting with second kids because you realize that everything you thought you had to control so perfectly and respond to everything. And he, she has to have a nap right now. And we need to drive around for two hours to make sure she has her nap. You realize that that was just all you being neurotic. And like sometimes kids are actually a little bit more flexible. Now, I'm not saying you should not have a schedule and you should not be napping, but you just realize you have more flexibility in your life and your second kid has to go along. Like, you just got to get with it. I don't know. You, okay, you skipped a nap today. Whatever. We got to go pick your your sister up, you know? So kids are, second kids are more adaptable, but they also teach you as a parent, like, no one kid is exactly the same. You actually didn't know what you're talking about before because you tried to do the same thing and it's not working on this other kid. And like, if your kid doesn't nap once or twice, it's really going to be okay. With Maverick, we were just a little, we didn't have as much space to give to him to help him and make sure his sleep situation was absolutely perfect. So sometimes I'd put him to bed. I'd be dealing with my one-year-old then because I had two under two and I'd have to be dealing with her screaming and doing something and I couldn't get back to him because he was screaming and we really struggled with night weaning because he kept waking, like eight months in particular, he kept waking up. And you know what you do then? You send your husband in. You send your husband in because if you're breastfeeding, it's going to be a struggle. So there was like probably a few weeks in there where we were both really sleep deprived. And I said, I'm not going in there. We are, we have officially night weaned. This child is huge. He's getting all the food he needs. And I was getting, that was when I got mastitis six times in a row. And I said, I know I need to night wean and I won't get mastitis anymore. And sure enough, I was right because my body needed to start shutting down production, especially at night. And that was when I was getting all of my mastitis. So Ken went in uh, for a lot and he just he just would scream in his arms. And so that's kind of the crying in arms theory is is your child. It's not a bad thing for your child to cry. However, they should cry supported. We don't want them to cry alone. Occasionally they are going to. and That's just going to happen. And that's fine. But middle of the night crying, needing support, he would just hold him and let him cry. You can come in there. You can even pat them on the back and say, we're here for you. We, we are here and we're going to stay here. But I'm going to sometimes I would just sit in the room while they would, you know, Maverick would kind of like cry or throw a fit. But again, do you have to, there's no way around it. They're not all of a sudden going to magically be OK sleeping in the crib if they've been falling asleep on you constantly. And so once I once I hit that moment and I had that realization it happened to, with us with Stella, too, I was actually sobbing because my back hurt. I was trying to bounce her. She would only sleep and relax and not cry when I was bouncing. And I called Ken and I was just sobbing. And I was talking to him on the phone and he's like, get off the ball and stop bouncing and just go sit somewhere and just hold her. And so I did. And she fell asleep in my arms. And that was like the first time I said, I am never getting on that ball again. And I didn't from that day on. So it became this, she only falls asleep on the ball in quotations to, oh, we're not doing that anymore. We don't, it's not an option. And she figured it out. She figured out how to fall asleep without being bounced. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of tough love and figuring out like, hey, you've got to stop doing this or you're going to be stuck in this loop. And for parents, I'm not talking about the kid. I'm talking about you as a parent. You got to have tough love with yourself. 
and move through it. But I'd also recommend listening to my my interview with Eliza Parker because I thought it was really helpful. I am so excited to announce that subscriptions are available on my favorite digestive enzyme ever. It has completely changed my digestion. I take it every single day. And now through February 1st, 2024, you can actually subscribe for two bottles every three months at 20% off. And if you're listening to this after February 1st, you can still sign up for a subscription. It'll be 15% off. Let me tell you why this has changed my life. I found something called Digestive Complex. It has a blend of 10 different enzymes, including lactase to help with dairy and protease for protein digestion, and a blend of herbs like licorice and marshmallow root, which are calming for the stomach. It also has hydrochloric acid, which is often suppressed when we're stressed. I randomly just get digestive issues occasionally, especially if I'm traveling or eating out. And I also notice it when I'm upping my protein intake or I tend to have a higher protein day. And so taking these digestive enzymes specifically at dinner when I tend to eat a lot of protein has made such a huge difference. I am not exaggerating when I tell you it's completely changed my digestion. Digestive Complex is a synergistic formula that provides support for healthy digestion and relief from occasional discomforts such as gas, bloating, and indigestion. I think just about everyone should have a bottle on hand to proactively help your body digest food especially if you're dealing with a chronic condition or you're under stress or going through a season of stress. I also find that it's really important a lot of people are deficient in nutrients. And when you bring in a digestive enzyme, you're allowing your body to digest nutrients better. So you're absorbing your nutrients better and you're at a lower risk of experiencing a deficiency. For a limited time, you can get 10% off Digestive Complex. Go to mdlogichealth.com forward slash digestive. Again, that's mdlogichealth.com forward slash digestive. Use code WELLFED for 10% off or sign up for a subscription like me. You can get two bottles every three months for 20% off for the life of the subscription as long as you have it. As long as you sign up before February 1st, if you're listening to this after February 1st, no problem. Sign up for a subscription and you'll get 15% off. Last question is from Rebecca. She said, I'd love for you to cover how long a workout should be to make significant muscle gains. I see uh, some nice little data points that Noelle has in (laughs) the quote. So I'll just say generally, well, that it really depends on what you're doing. Like walking is is excellent, but walking for two minutes is different than doing burpees for two minutes. So say, for example, you're short on time and you want to maximize your gains. Go for it. <laughs> Take the time block that you have, 10 minutes, and go for it. You know, a lot of people I know struggle to find an hour to go to the gym, an hour and a half. I would never, <laughs> ever... It makes, I mean, and and a lot of people love the social environment and all the different options that are afforded you at the gym. There are reasons to go to gyms. I'm not disparaging going to gyms. I personally would never, never again. I'm saying that now my apartment complex has a gym. I'll probably sign up next week. You know me, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, Hey, I've discovered gyms. (laughs) The gym is the ticket. (laughs) Like, for a very long time, like, I just, I really like optimizing my time. So I keep, I now have two sets of dumbbells in my room. I'm looking at them right now. And I'm also looking at my bed. I roll out of bed, I pee. I grab my water bottle. I turn on YouTube and I lift weights. 
And then I, I do 20 minutes and that I, usually I do 20 this morning, I did 30. And, and something that I say to my friends and, and that I do myself is I actually much prefer like 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the afternoon. And I can do that if I'm working from home or I do it in the morning. And then when I get home from the office to doing like 30 minutes at once. Now, obviously like 30 minutes at once has its own benefits or, or what have you, but I like the fact that I get like some insulin sensitivity booster twice a day and I do like muscle building, like weightlifting exercises, you know? And so it's, it's all a, it's a matter of choice, but you know, again, my friends are like uh, schedule meetings with a 10 minute break and do some bicep curls. You know, I have a, like sometimes people, people that I work with tend to all be quite like flourishing and health focused. And I think literally all of them might be like, I'm going to go take a break and look at the sun for a few minutes. Or like, I'm going to do some kettlebell swings, like just anyway, but you can, you can structure your day and, and put little things in if, if, if time is a concern. Um, and just keeping going, you know, I really like just keeping going. If I have to sit all day, I like to just get up and walk a, a little bit, you know, um, or I get up and I'll do push-ups. I'll get up and I'll do squats. And if I'm at home, I'll use my dumbbells. And if not, I'll book a conference room for 10 minutes and not tell anybody and turn the lights off. It's <laughs> just like a bite. <laughs> All of which is to say that like you can fit it in if you don't have if you don't have time and it'll matter. And if you do heavy weight bearing stuff, you'll build muscle. And if you don't, you won't, but you'll still like you'll keep moving and and help with your insulin sensitivity and all that kind of stuff. So Yay. I I find this question to be really interesting. And there's really no like so when I did look into the research, I'm like, what's the how you know, okay. So when I do the research, when I do research, I sometimes what I like to do is just look at what the general consensus is among conventional sources and what like the bro science is, so to speak. So if you were to look up, how much do I need to work out to have significant muscle gains? You'll see like, we recommend working out four to five days a week and did it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, like, no wonder people are just like, screw it. I'm not doing that because who has the time? I mean, it, especially when you're considering if it's like going to the gym, you've got to use the gym weights, all that kind of stuff. What it seems like in the literature, and if you're really trying to make significant muscle gains, you really have to only lift weights twice a week for 20 to 30 minutes at a time. Yeah, I probably work out too much for muscle, like optimal muscle building, by the way. I know that. <laughs> well, and so here's the deal. Um, I think that, again, we look at fitness through this very narrow lens, which is I'm only doing this to get X result. And I guess that's the assumption that is made in fitness culture, but that's kind of the assumption that's made among people maybe who want to work out or are trying to work out to be healthy, but they kind of still see it as this thing that they have to do. And it's really the question is not, what do I, how much do I have to do? It's like, what do you have the time for? Because any amount of time you spend strength training, walking, Pilates do, doing the thing is going to benefit you. So I would like us to reframe our thinking and say not, well, how much do I have to do is any amount that I do is going to be helpful. Any amount that I do is going to make me better, is going to have benefit. For example, 
We have some new research that says vigorous activity two to four minutes a day is enough to reduce cancer risk two to four minutes a day. Actually, it was really two, but in the literature, it was a variety. It was like two or three or four. And that's just a vigorous action. Like, you know, I think of the standard high intensity interval training or, you know, biking hard or, you know, doing some sort of intense movement for two to four minutes can reduce your cancer risk. We have so much literature on walking, which is, you know, 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day is ideal. But like if you actually look at the literature, 10 minutes a day of moderate exercise would prevent more than 100,000 premature deaths a year is what a new analysis found. 10 minutes a day of walking. So when people say walking doesn't count, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. Walking certainly counts. Walking any amount of time whether it's five to 10 minutes a day or you're just doing it 20 minutes twice a week is going to benefit you. It's going to improve heart health and bone health and muscle, you know, your your ability to like have mobility and, and functionality with your body. So that's cool. Lifting, again, I think it's more like 20 to 30 minutes, two to three times a week. But I did see a study that found that exposing your muscles to a load just one time a week resulted in significant muscle gain. And it wasn't just one lifting session. It was let's lift, let's like do chest press, you know, on Monday and then we'll do something else on Tuesday. It was like they had them do something different each day. But the gist was each muscle only got exposure once. Or muscle group. So if you need to just, if you only have time to do like a full body and then maybe you focus on upper body, that's enough. That is enough to have significant muscle mass uh, gains of like increases in lean body mass and lower lean muscle mass and improve functionality overall. So we're not just talking about muscle. We're also talking about insulin sensitivity. We're also talking about heart health, mobility, bone density, all that stuff. It's not just about your muscles. Although I know that that's what people, that's what they want. That's what we see. We want more muscle mass, you know, it burns more calories. It's, you know, it's your, it improves insulin sensitivity. All that stuff is really great and fine. And if that's your goal, fine, of course. But I'm just saying that even the a few minutes a day, is going to significantly like result in all of these incredible health benefits and outcomes. So if you only have time for twice a week, do that. And if doing it three times a week leads to more aches and pains, is it a little bit of a struggle for you to fit into your schedule, then stop that and just do it twice a week. Walk when you can. Walk for five minutes if that's all you have. And of course, do Pilates and bar and whatever else brings you joy because it is going to lead to benefit. Yeah. And if you're asking, because, you know, I think what you said to maximize, yeah, make significant muscle gains, like you want to like significant with, you know, like I want to make the biggest gains, the most gains, like really quick. Again, I, 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 it's not time. It's, it's what you do with, with, with your time, right? If you have like specific muscle groups you want to grow or that sort of thing, you know, find the exercises and the weight and be weight bearing and, and that sort of, thing, you know, be strategic, but I wouldn't, yeah, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be thought about in terms of like, how much time am I giving this, but like, you know, quality over. Yeah. I love, yeah, that's so true. And like what I do for uh, lifting, I, I think guided workouts are awesome. I, I still use the Peloton app. You use your YouTube stuff, but 
essentially my two strength workouts a week are, and sometimes I fit a third in if I can, like an upper body thing, but my two full body workouts a week are essentially two to three exercises and it's just a set. So if I'm doing like this morning, I did just weighted squats, but I hold the dumbbells at my side. So they're called suitcase squats. I did weighted squats and then I did chest press and I just rotated back and forth between those two things for three rounds. And then I moved into rows and then on each side and then reverse lunges. And I rotated between those two things, row on one side, row on the other side, and then, you know, reverse lunges. And so back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So two main sets. And then on the back end, I do something small, like a chipper, whether it's, you know, I'm pushing myself for five minutes or I'm, you know, with kettlebell swings and something else, or I'm doing something a little bit faster. That's like a lighter weight, maybe not as heavy. So I did push-ups. Sometimes I'll do jumping lunges. Sometimes I'll just do some bicep curls. Sometimes I'll do some push presses. So like, actually getting your heart rate pretty high. And I'll just do that for the last like three to four minutes. Again, it's literally 20 minutes, 25 minutes of working out. And that's enough to see significant gains. And it's quick and it's fun. And you have somebody guiding you or you can just turn on some music or a podcast and just, you know, have fun, get it done. And you feel better afterwards. So I do love dopamine. (laughs) It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Anything else from you? Nope. Okay. For more from me, Coconuts and Kettlebells on Instagram, Stephanie Ruper on the X is where you can find her. I just actually went over to the X and I looked at the stuff that you've been posting and I saw some, you were like, we're playing on a big Scrabble board and all that kind of stuff. So you're, you're really, uh, you're posting personal pictures, which I like, not just talking about smart things, but definitely go follow Steph on the X. Um, Thanks for being here, guys. We appreciate you and we will talk to you next week.